I've actually so enjoyed, uh, man, Mondays. I never thought I would enjoy Mondays. Um, yeah. I want to jump into this morning. Happy MLK. It's MLK Day. Happy MLK Day. That man truly set a way for where we're at in this nation today. Um, and we could worship together in one place, all different races, colors, sizes. Um, I should have throw that in there. I want to jump into this uh, this morning. You know, um, I've never actually spoken on, on this particular thing. We, we talk about every Monday morning, we like to set culture stones. And what that kind of is, is if I, if I can imagine like the foundation of our faith, it's like these stones that we lay at the foundation of our faith. And this morning, I wanted to speak on having a healthy heart. Uh, you know, I, 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 last week I, I spoke on, you know, no fast fruit where like, we don't want to just, you know, you want fruit that remains, you have to remain to have fruit. Um, but man, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever tried to plant something in an unhealthy soil. It will not grow no matter how much you water it. And I feel like there's so many prophetic words or so many dreams and visions that God has given you guys in this room, our generation, that it's going to be nearly impossible for those seeds to grow if the soil of our heart is not able to contain what God's doing. And so what I just wanted to start off with is, can we just kind of put down the wall, um, the wall that many of us put up called, this is the wall that I like to call, I'm good. You ever meet those people? Hey, how are you? I'm good. And you're like, dude, you screwed up, right? How about this one? I'm great. And they always come with a smile right after, right? You ever meet those people? How many are those people? You're the I'm good and I'm great people, right? Typically, that's farthest from the truth. And the truth is, check this out, that wounded people wound others. No amens, okay. Rather intentionally or unintentionally, unhealed wounds can only produce unhealthy relationships. Check this out. Broken people break people. And you will know this to be so true that wounded people find other wounded people, and healed people typically gravitate to healed people. You ever been around a bunch of bitter people before? And there's like a group of them? And you're like, how is it there's like a thousand people here, but you all manage to find each other? You ever meet people that hate the church? And don't they somehow all manage to find one another? Out of the millions of people, the, like the millions of people in our nation, they somehow manage to find one another. You're like, wow, this is crazy, right? And most brokenness in our lives as believers started long before Jesus, long before we met him. But understand that, this, that God is a good father. And I wanted to open up with kind of a, long, a little bit of a long scripture here to kind of set the stage this morning. Um, this is Hebrews 12, 4 through, 1 through, 4 through 15. I don't think they're going to have it on here because I, I put it in this morning. But I just want you to stay with me as I read this. It says, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin? And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons and throwing their daughters, okay? My son, daughters, you take this too. Do not regard lightly the discipline, right? And I want you to understand this word discipline. If you grew up in a home like I did, discipline meant one thing. Okay, I grew up with a, I may not be superly, like his superly, is that even a word? Um, I may not be embedded a lot in Hispanic culture, but I do understand that there's something that I found common amongst many Hispanic families. I'm not saying this is a stereotype, but if you grew up in a Hispanic home, my grandpa would grab the belt. Maybe it was not just Hispanics and they would do the smacking thing. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe your parents didn't. Maybe that was not. Maybe you're like, no, the black people do it too, right? Or I don't know. But, but in my home, I knew. It was almost like, like, like they correlated that discipline equaled, and you knew as a kid what that meant, right? Growing up, I always viewed the word discipline as this negative thing. Every time, right? And it's so sad because there's sometimes I'm like, I go up to people, I'm like, hey, can I talk to you? Like, are you going to rebuke me again? You know, it's like this, this negative view of discipline. But if you actually look up what the word discipline is in the Greek, it has nothing to do with the belt that's smacking, nor does it have to do with you getting beat down. It means two things. It means instruction and training. So this morning, I simply want to point out to you that when God disciplines his sons and daughters, it's nothing, it's in no way he wants to bring or inflict pain on you. It's simply he wants to instruct you and train you. Right? It says, discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. That just, reproved just means rebuke. There's no nice way to say that. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son, daughter, whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what sons is there whom the father does not discipline? 
But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children. And that word illegitimate means you are illegal. If God does not discipline you or speak to you or correct you, you are an illegitimate child of God. How many of you know that there is only certain things you can say to other people's children that are not your own? Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen some kids that were acting crazy and you wish you were their parent? You're like, ooh, if you were my kid. My dad used to have this thing, right? He called it the look. We already knew. When we got the look, the look equaled beat down when we got home, you know? And my mom used to have this terrible saying. We'd, be, we'd get in trouble. Maybe this was back in the day, right? It was where you could actually spank your kids. Nowadays, you, can, you look at your kids, they're offended. But back in the day, you could actually spank your kids. And so my mom would do this thing where we would act up in public, and she would look at us, and she would say, you're going to get it when you get home. She goes, because there's no cameras there. You know, she just... Anyways, it's terrible. Don't do it to your kids. You're illegitimate children and not sons or daughters. Furthermore, we have earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time, as, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Can I hear an amen? Not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands and the weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths your feet so the limb in which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one, see, check this out, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God so that the root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it, many are defiled. I realize that coming into what I'm going to speak into this morning, I want to speak about wounds. But I realize that apart from the grace of God, none of what I'm going to say is going to seem possible for you to be healed from. If you take the grace of God out, check this out. I was, I was reading this this morning and I was thinking, wow, this is so profound because when you take the grace of God out of part of our healing process and him healing the wounds, that, real wounds that have been caused in many of us in this room, mostly by people that weren't even in here. You know, it's like, it's crazy. I, I watched that documentary. Uh, what, was it, what is it, that one? Um, no, no, no. It was the one uh, with the father, the old man. It was like it came out by like, like a purity. And what was it called? Heart of a man. Was that what you said? Oh, okay. You said something about Hernandez. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Uh, heart, heart of man or man of heart, whatever. But there's, there's, a, there's a part where this, this, this person talks about how it took them 30 years to wipe the face of their father off of the face of God. And I realize that as a leader, most of the time, if you ever led something or you've led people, you'll find this to be true, that you are the brunt of people's issues. People will take out their daddy and their mommy issues on you, even though you're just a year older than them. You're like, I wasn't even, I was barely born when this was happening to you. Like, but you literally, when you take a position of leader, you naturally take a position of a punching bag. But it's an honor to take that position if God uses you to lead people to freedom. But check this out. The healing of our wounds when God does it is never to further their wound, it's to mend it. And the grace has to lead the charge of our hearts being healed. If not, our wounds that we refuse to allow God heals becomes a breeding ground for bitterness. Really, like when you got wounds that you refuse to let people touch and heal, and, 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 and man, there are things in your life that you're just like, just don't touch that area. It literally becomes a breeding ground for bitterness, and here's how. I don't know if any of you, has any of you ever preached before, or you've shared your testimony? Anybody? Have you ever shared the gospel before? How many of you have ever sang worship songs before? Now, you could only preach and sing songs so long that you don't believe. And here's where this, here's where bitterness creeps in. Check this out. Bitterness creeps in the heart of believers when they preach a message and they're seeing other people get breakthrough, yet they themselves don't have breakthrough in their own life. Because what that produces is someone that eventually says the gospel might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Therefore, there's parts I don't believe in. Right? Bill Johnson says when you preach a gospel, you can demonstrate it actually witnesses against you. When you preach a gospel that you've not been set free from, it witnesses again. You can only do that for so long. You could only sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. You could only sing that song for so long 
when you're not seeing breakthrough in your life, and I'm not even going to say it's God, it's most of the time us that we keep him from that. And after a while, we, we start doubting that the gospel could actually transform us. And if we don't think it could transform us, then how are we going to believe it can transform anyone else? How are we going to believe that when I go to a high school and I preach, and I think, man, God's going to set you free, and I'm over here like bound, right? I mean, the kingdom, that term, make it, you know, you fake it to make it, that doesn't work in the kingdom. There's nothing fake in the gospel. It's all authentic. It's all real. And people in today's culture are wounded by life, other people's situations, or whatever it may be. They have a hard time admitting it, dealing with it, and especially allowing God to heal it. And wounds to, in today's culture aren't dealt with. They're tweeted about. They're posted about. They're hashtagged. Isn't it? And you know what's so interesting is we, we have this, this mindset of wounds. Check this out. We call it nowadays, I just want to be real. You ever meet those people? Nobody? You ever meet people that are like, you know what? I just want to be really real and be vulnerable. So they put all of their stuff on social media. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever meet those kind of people before? It's easier for you to post your, check this out. Can I get everyone's attention here? It's easier for you to post your junk on social media and call it being real than actually allow God to heal it. Because there's a sense of gratification while I shared it, but just because you shared it don't mean you're healed from it. I mean, a lot of people, they share their stuff and they call it being real. No, no, no. What you've actually done is just spread your infection. Consequently, when you share open wounds, you can only share infection because you're not sharing healing, you're sharing the wound. That's the difference between someone who shares a wound and someone who shares a testimony. Because the wound points everyone back to you, the testimony points everyone back to God. Is this making any sort of sense to you? Like when I share my, just my problems, I'm simply just, I'm gravitating everyone to come around. My dad used to have this saying, he used to call it the feel sorry for me trick. And every time he wanted to spank me, I would do it. I'd be like, he's like, don't do the feel sorry for me trick. You're going to get a spank, you know? It was like in those moments, I wanted to act weak so that someone would join me in my corner instead of actually allowing myself to be healed. Check this out. Gossip. Have you ever heard of that word gossip before? I know we don't really like to talk about it. But gossip is actually you spreading a wound that hasn't been healed. And check this out. There's healthy ways to process. Don't, conf and don't confuse venting and processing with the leader who will instruct you with the word in Jesus as the same thing as gossiping with your neighbor. I learned this from my pastor that there's three ways to process. This way, this way, and this way. When you process this way, that is you're processing with someone you're discipling. Don't ever do that. When you process this way, you ever, you ever, you ever have someone you're discipling, you're just like, can I just talk to you? And they're like looking up to you. You start venting about the church. You start venting about another leader. You have literally poisoned your disciple. And you've now become a stumbling block to the one you lead. And I don't know if you've ever read the scripture. Woe to you who cause the little ones to stumble in. You don't vent this way. This is called stumbling block. You don't vent this way to your peers who have no authority to actually lead you anywhere but just agree with you. You don't need agreement. You need breakthrough. You don't need someone to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. There's been so unfair. I want someone to come up to me if I'm in a rut, if I'm complaining. I want someone to be like, oh, man, that sucks. But you know what? God is working in you, man. Man. And your situation compared to David and Saul, you're doing pretty good, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, he, they ain't throwing a spear at you. You're good, man. Like, like literally, I want someone who's going to come up to me and they're not going to lick my wounds, man. They're going to come up to me and say, man, yeah, this may be true, but what is Jesus doing in you? Why did he give you this leader? Because evidently he knows what you need more than you know what you need. That's so different in today's culture, right? You process this way, it's stumbling block. You process this way, it's gossip. The only healthy way to process is upward, with someone who's actually more mature and healthier than you who's going to instruct you with the word. Processing the right way leads to healing. Gossiping the second way leads to more sickness spreading. And we as believers who are carrying the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead must remain healthy in our hearts. It's an injustice to the gospel for us to continue with wounds in 2020 that Jesus died for 2,000 years ago. And I'm literally, I was telling my wife when I was writing this, I was like, you know what I love about my preachings? <laughs> I said, I never feel like a hypocrite because I simply only talk about what I'm going through. And I don't talk about it from the place of absolute dominance. Like, man, I am in totally 
still the man. There are still wounds that Jesus is healing in my heart. I'm simply inviting you on these Monday mornings into my journey, into the journey that God is like, he's taking me on. And it's, I don't speak at you, man. I'm kind of speaking with you in this room. I literally feel like it's a big living room. Like literally, there's a bunch of couches. Like it's like a mass, you know, like you ever have family, like you ever have real family moments where you're just in a big living room with one another and you're just talking about life. That's what I feel like this morning. And imagine the power of death, hell, and the grave, the resurrection power. The Bible says lives inside of us. Okay. And I guarantee Jesus didn't die for us to remain just in the same place. And today I'm believing that this is, if it's not the beginning of the healing of your wounds, it's going to be the final sewing up of your wounds this morning. That some of you are literally going to leave your offense in the room. Some of you are going to leave pain with leaders in the room. Some of you are going to leave your hurts from your families in the room. Some of you are going to actually have to look at the wound, right? How many of you are those people when you fall, you get to your, you're like my daughter, she, she thinks that a scratch is blood. I'm like, honey, you don't have blood. Like, it's just a scratch. And, and my daughter, like, she literally has one scratch and she's limping. Like, I'm like, honey, like, you haven't even broke skin. Like, you're okay. Ah, I'm not. And so I'm just like, okay. How many of those people, when you get an injury, you don't want to look at it? You just want to, anybody in here, you, you're those, you just can't, you, you get a scratch, you, you bust something open, you just want to look away. How many of those nasty ones, you want to look at it? You're just like, let me look, that's disgusting, right? This morning, I pray all of us would take a look, not at the wounds of the people next to you, but at your wounds of your own life. And I want to explain a few things here. I want to explain roots versus fruits. Most of us that are wounded simply display fruits of our wounds to others. And when we realize we've done wrong, we say sorry for the fruit not understanding that every tree that grows fruit, when you cut it off, it only grows back. How many of you have ever been in cycles of sorry? How many feel like you just say sorry nonstop for the same thing? Anybody? I'm sorry I did that again. Oh, I'm sorry I did it again. I'm sorry. We do it with God all the time. You ever do it with your spouse? Like, I'm so, she's like, hey, can I just record I'm sorry and I'll just hit play every time? <laughs> like when they ask me after a year of marriage, they're like, so what have you learned in marriage? After a year, I'm like, I learned how to say sorry every day. Like, it's literally what I've learned. But it's crazy because just like a normal tree that bears fruit, you can cut it off, but it's only going to reproduce the same fruit again. You have to go after the root of this thing. This is why we have these cycles. And unhealed wounds are roots. And let me share the fruit. Let me share a couple fruits of unhealed wounds. Offense produces a fruit called bitterness. Can I stay on that for a minute or two? offense, right? I think the Bible talks about in Proverbs that an offended man is like a fortified city. You ain't breaking down those walls. Offense is deadly because it makes you feel like you're absolutely right in the way you feel. And you've totally eliminated the ability for the word of God to come in and mend the brokenness. And offense is dangerous because it's something that you, you literally fortify yourself up, right? Offense produces bitterness. Rejection is a root that produces insecurity. You ever met someone who's insecure? No, you've never met anybody? You ever met someone who's insecure? Right? Everything always is about them. Because they felt rejected, because they felt pushed, they make everything about them. Unhealthy anger leads to abuse. You ever meet someone that has unhealthy anger? Right? There's a couple types of anger. There's anger that comes out this way form of rage, abuse, whatever you want to call it. And then there's anger that you turn inward, depression, right? You begin to hate yourself. I hope this isn't too heavy. Is this okay? Fear. You know what fear produces? Control. I've, I've met, now I came from a single parent home. My parents got divorced when I was about 10 years old. And my mom has, has had probably one of the roughest lives. I mean, she's She's been married multiple times. She was physically abused. She was cheated on. My mom has gone through a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I remember the, the night I was, I was downstairs. I was about maybe 17 years old, and I heard them fighting upstairs because my stepdad got caught doing some stuff he shouldn't have been doing. And I remember when the divorce were, they were 12 years married, and I remember my little sister was in their room on the floor at the time hearing everything. She runs downstairs saying, Mom and Dad is getting a divorce. And I remember just holding my sister. She's crying. And I mean, this is the kind of dysfunction that was in my family. I, I, I just remember all of this and seeing my mom's life and the fear that was 
was, was embedded in her produced one fruit. It's control. You don't ever have a controlling woman unless there's fear in her. Because a woman that feels safe doesn't control. My wife doesn't control. She doesn't. She doesn't control our home. She's not bound in fear. Right? We learned this in our premaritals. We did six months. God knew how much we needed. If you think you want to get married with no premaritals, that's stupid. You study more for your driver's license than you do for your marriage. If you're married to someone who doesn't want premaritals, ask them why. What are you hiding? <laughs> I remember when I got with my pastor and he's like, so why do you love her? I'm like, she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah what else? She's amazing. Yeah, what else? She makes me happy. He's like, man, it's so crazy that everything you say has all to do with you. You don't love her at all for what she have or what you can give her. This is crazy. Fear produces control. Can I hit one more? It's really prevalent in today's culture. Depression. Depression produces suicide. I've seen it. It's one of the fruits. not the only fruit, but it's one of the fruits. Really, you really see these two go hand in hand. Depression is where you've reached a place where ultimately of total self-hatred. You absolutely hate who you are. Here's words of wounded people. Well, they deserve this. Well, look at them. How could they? Don't they understand what I've been through? You ever hear those words before? Probably sure some of you could name a few other words that we won't name in, in this place. And I've carried many wounds as a kid. It's crazy. I thought growing up that parents fighting each other was normal. You know, I would walk out of my room and my dad would be bloody. There'd be holes in the walls. And I said, this, this is normal. This must be happening everywhere else. You know, I had the thoughts of self-hatred I had when I was younger, I thought that was normal. I thought everyone hated themselves. And it's crazy, you know, crying myself to sleep every night, feeling like the divorce of my mom and dad was my fault because my dad told me it was my fault that they got divorced. I thought that was normal. Hearing my parents bash one another. You know, I heard a message with T.D. Jakes uh, last week, and he was talking about when parents bash one another, what happens to the children. Anybody here grew up in a, in a broken divorce family whose parents bashed each other? Anybody? How many of you ever heard your mom or dad speak negative? Here's what's crazy is when your parents speak negative of one another, intuitively you know that you're made up of half of each. So when your mom, when my mom spoke negative of my father and she hated my father, I knew there was a part of me she must have too have had to hate. When my, when my, my, dad, <clears throat> my dad would bash my mom, I knew inwardly that there was parts of, of me that he too must hate because I'm half of her. This is interesting, right? And all of these seeds as a boy eventually became roots that eventually became wounds in my life. And although it took time for it to grow and produce fruit, it eventually did in Brian Barcelona. And it's fruit that I never wanted to have anyone taste from, but it's fruit that in my marriage, my wife has had to help me walk through. It's fruit that my children have had to see their daddy come through. And here's the biggest lie we believe is that time heals all. That quote is, is exactly that. It's a lie. It's not how much time goes by that heals something. It's who you spend time with. Sitting there with your wounds, not spending any time with God, who you hang out with is who you become. What you desire is what you become. And here's something that I've never shared publicly. And it's not because I'm ashamed of it at all. But when I was 15 years old, I actually struggled with an eating disorder. You cannot tell now. And no, I have not struggled in a very long time. I struggle with the opposite now. I just, I get up at three in the morning and start eating chicken or something, you know? Because there's no chicken. When I was 15 years old, I had fully grown to the place of hating myself. To, to the absolute, like, I just hated everything about me, okay? So I want you to, like, I want you to understand, those of you who are in this room and you're looking at, like, why are these people jumping and they're shouting? and Because you don't know our story. You can sit there and judge us because we jump and because we pray in a funny language called tongues that you don't understand or because we're up here and we're shouting and we're saying, come on, you can sit there and judge us and say we're too radical. It's because you don't know my past. You can't judge my present if you don't know where I've come from. 
You can't. You could say, man, he's just too crazy for Jesus. No, it's because you haven't realized how much he's actually saved you from. I was 15 years old, eating disorder. I got diagnosed and I was hospitalized with anorexia. How many of you did not know that? Raise your hand. You did not know that. Most of you did not know that. Diagnosed with anorexia, I lost about 100 pounds in four months. And I'll never forget being in the hospital and I finally got what I wanted. Can I tell you what it was? My dad's attention. So many years of just so longing for this man to just pay attention to me. Just look at me. Tell me he was proud. Maybe feel love like, like he loved me and, and he wanted me. And I never forget, I'd never forget this. I was in the hospital and, and I'm sitting there and he pulls out some mustard. He's like, hey, uh, I don't know if you ever met people with anorexia. They, they actually, you're like, mustard, where are you going with this? Hold on, I'm going to tell you. If you ever met someone with anorexia, you, you, you'd know that even though they could be the skinniest person on the planet, they still believe here that they're not. I remember my dad, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. I mean, this has never been a struggle in our home. And he comes up with these packages of mustard and ketchup. And he's like, hey, uh, um, you know, these have no calories. He's just trying to get me to eat. Never forget going home and looking in the mirror and just disgusted by what I seen because my wounds had grown, had grown full blown, man. And it drove me to a place where I could no longer go. And had I not met Jesus the next year, oh, this is why I love God so much. Man, I've, I'm jacked still. I'm still learning a ton. But you know why I don't quit on him? It's because I remember the day he set me free. I'll never forget that day. Never forget that day. Some broken 16-year-old atheist in the back of a youth group. And he just came and met me. He didn't say anything. His presence came upon me and I just started weeping. And I just went up to the front and I accepted Jesus in him. I didn't even know what I was doing. They just said, come up. And I said, okay. I went up to the front and I just started start crying and this lady prays for me and I accept Jesus and I go home and I'm just, I just, I don't know what it was. I just felt free. I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't hate myself. And I was not anorexic at this time anymore. I'd gained some drastic weight. <laughs> but it was a season of my life. And I remember as this boy that all that I had stuffed down for 15 years had finally caught up. Because you can't ignore wounds hoping they go away. You know, I heard a lady say this once. That anorexia is caused by someone who longs for the attention of a father. The starvation. I feel like even in our faith, I don't know if there's any of you that have ever starved out your Bible reading or your prayer, just hoping then God would come through because you think he doesn't know how to have a relationship with you when you're doing well. You've gotten so used to chaos and crisis that you think people only want relationship with you in chaos and crisis, not realizing that they actually will enjoy you when you're normal. You know, most, there's people that actually seek crisis for attention. And then they hate themselves for it. Anyways. I was deeply wounded, broken. I had hatred, anger, anxiety, you name it. And after I got saved, I had this revelation that the cage door had been ripped off. Literally. I remember sitting there, 16 years old, like, man, the cage door has been ripped off. But just because the cage door is wide open does not mean you walk out. Gia. Had me start rapping up here. He's like, why? We'll just act like that didn't happen. Just because your cage door is blown off doesn't mean you walk out. You know what's so crazy is most of us have become institutionalized in our wounds. And we have learned to have Jesus coexist in the temple that remains wounded. You have learned to coexist Jesus with the issues you refuse to let him touch. Is this speaking to anybody here? Or am I just speaking to myself? <laughs> Like we have learned to coexist with depression and Jesus. And can I tell you that those two don't go well in the same temple called you. Jesus doesn't want to share his temple with suicide. He doesn't want to share his temple with anger. 
He doesn't want to share his temple with them more out. He doesn't want to share his temple with any of that. In fact, he's, man, you think I'm a clean freak. He's a master cleaner. He wants to come in and just, hey, let's just sweep this away. I mean, literally, like, I don't know, has you ever gone into someone's house and it's so dirty, you just pick up a broom for them? And you're like, hey, hey just, you just go play, you know? Just come in, you're spraying. You bring your own disinfectant wipes, wipe the seat before you sit down. There are some people's homes that I will, I, ref, I will like refuse to take off my shoes. My socks will get dirtier in their home than if I were to walk outside. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Of course, that's no one in here. But Jesus does not want to coexist with the wounds. Now, as I'm going to close this morning and give some time at the end for prayer, I want to close with the good news. How many of y'all feel like this is kind of heavy? You're like, man, this is... How many are already recognizing some wounds in your life? Can I tell you something that just because you're a Christian doesn't automatically, like, I told my wife this. I told you in our marriage, a lot of times I was always compared because we're around a lot of good good men in our, we have a lot of good men in our life from leaders and pastors, a lot of good men in our life. And since the day we got married, I was always compared to these men. Not, not bad, but she would be like, man, like, like, what about, like, man, I just like, like Jim Anderson's just so kind to his wife. I'm like, he's 60. Like, he's been married for, for 70 years. Like, give me time. Like, I'm trying, you know, like, and then I, I, I felt like with her, like, I didn't really have many complaints, you know? Like, she's like Mother Teresa, you know? Except married with kids. I, I, but I would tell her this. I would say, you know, like, she, I felt like there was, this, and she's not like this anymore, but in the beginning of our marriage, there was this expectation that I had to know everything. Because I, was, I had Jesus. You ever meet people like, well, you have Jesus. You should just know. I'm like, well, I have Jesus. I don't know calculus, you know? <laughs> It wasn't like I accepted Christ and then all the math just downloaded, you know? All of a sudden, I used proper grammar. I still suck in grammar. Don't look at these notes at all. That's why I preach. People who can't teach, preach. There's less of a standard on preachers, you know? You just have mercy. He said a thousand words that aren't even real words, but he's a preacher. It's okay, right? I'm not a... Like... Just because you have Jesus doesn't automatically download every scripture from Genesis to Revelation. There is something called walking out your salvation. Check this out. And we don't want to be people that hear from our wounds. You ever meet someone that hears from their wounds? You say one thing and they hear something totally different. You're like, hey, 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 um, can we meet up tomorrow? You're like, what's wrong? You don't want to hang out with me. I said, let's hang out tomorrow. Right? You ever meet people like that? You're, you just you just feel like you don't you don't love me. I just said goodbye. You know, like how about people that see through their wounds, right? Let's say Andy's there, and I look at Andy, and I just walk away. I see how it is, right? I mean, there's people that see through their wounds. Wounds will blind you and make you deaf, or deaf, not deaf. See, they'll blind you and make you deaf. You won't be able to see clearly or hear clearly. Everything in your life becomes distorted when you operate from wounds. But check this out, that there is a difference between wounds and scars. There is. A wound tells me you've been wounded and you've been hurt. A scar tells me you've been hurt, but you've been healed. Anybody have scars here? Anybody have like cool scars with like cool stories? Not just like a lame one, like you just fell on the ground slipped on some dog poo or something like like you like like you got a real like a really cool like scar story right scars demonstrate that you know what it's like to hurt but you know what it's like to be healed and there's no doubt in this room that people are saved I just want to make that plain and clear I don't doubt your salvation but if we leave it at the prayer you prayed of salvation of receiving Jesus you will have a surface Christianity and you will miss out on the deep things of God and God so desires to heal that which has happened to you. Because when he heals you, check this out. When you are healed from what happened to you, Jesus can now flow through you. It's a healthy funnel for him to flow through. You're all of a sudden, you're not this angry preacher that's just yelling at people all the time. You understand the balance of holiness and grace. 
You understand what it's like. And the reality of it, the reality of it is this. That Jesus has no second doubts of his calling on you with the wounds that you still carry at all. I mean, he's not sitting there like, dang, man, can we like break our agreement? Like you're pretty jacked. He's not like that. How many of you have ever felt like, man, I really don't want to get too close to people because if I get too close to them, they're really going to see who I am. And if they really see who I am, they're definitely out because everyone else has been the same. Jesus isn't like that at all. And though the wound wasn't your choice, you being healed is. Though the wound was not your choice, you being healed is. It is your choice. You can't, you can't control what happened to you. You can't control the divorce you went through. You can't control the relationship that wounded you. You can't control the parents that you had. You know what's crazy is I thank God for the parents I have. Like, I do. Like, I do. I really thank God for the mom that I had, for the dad that I had. Like, really. I could not imagine my life now as a missionary 10 years in with any other parents. Is my dad safe? No. Does he know Jesus? No. I could be like, Dad, we got a building. We got a million dollars. We didn't get a million dollars, but we did not. But we got a million dollars. He'd be like, oh, cool. Like, he just does not know how to celebrate at all. Be like, Dad, Jesus has come back. Oh, cool. Like, he just, it just, it's all the same for him. But I thank God that, that he put those people in place, man. Because you know what? I've learned so much through the process of what God has taken me from. It's why when I go to Compton, though I may not be the same color of the skin as the people that are sitting there, my story is very similar. I could walk into South Central in these neighborhoods and kids instantly relate with the story that I carry. Because they too went through the same thing. And if you've come here wounded, I have good news for you. Did not God say, hold on for me, Val, just a little bit. Did not God say, I am the Lord who heals you, Exodus 15, 26. Did he not say, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 30, 17. Did he not say, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress and sent his word and healed them. Psalms 107, 19 through 21. Did he not say, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all sins and heals all diseases. Psalms 103, 2. And let me share this last one. But he was pierced through and for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings or by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Do you not see that it is a master grand plan of God to heal you? It's the master plan. I mean, his, his death brings life. Matthew 27, 52. When Jesus dies, the Bible says the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Jesus' death raises the dead. If he could raise the dead, why can't he heal your wounds? Are you with me? Like, I don't want, I was just telling my wife, like, I don't want to go 2020 carrying things that affect the way I lead. Carrying things that cause me to say that I love, but I keep many people at distances. You know what I love about Jesus is he knew his betrayal would come. This is like the ultimate 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 man we live in a society today that is like kick people out get them out of here and i understand if you're in an abusive relationship like absolutely like you need to get yourself healthy and whole but jesus is with a person who he absolutely knew this guy is going to be and not just betray me he's going to kiss me his lips will be close but his heart will be far and he still invites him to his last meal I mean, if that was me, I'd be like, dude, you need to deuce out. Like, security guards at the doors. Like, we are never, like, we're, I'm unfriending you. <laughs> I'm I love a T.D. Jakes. You got to listen to this message called Model Home. I love the T.D. I love T.D. Jakes. I just love that man. 
He was talking about how we live in a culture today where social media has done an injustice on our communication with people. He says, because if you don't like someone nowadays, you just block them. Or they comment, you wait till they see that you've deleted their comment, you comment back, then you block them. He said, the problem is you can't block real relationships. How many know I can't just like block you like you're here? We can't, how many know you can't block family? You can't unfriend them. Like they're going to be at the birthday party. They're going to be at the surgery. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't unfriend someone in real life. Just because you could do it in social media doesn't mean that person goes away. You know what's so biblical is that we as believers, we come together and when there's things that are in our hearts, we come and we humble ourselves. I believe we would see such a move of God in America if we would learn to do this with one another. And it's not coming and saying, this is what you've done. It's coming to say, man, if there's anything I've done, will you forgive me? I'm so sorry. Check this out. We're going to have a massive altar call in a moment. Everyone's going to be able to get prayed for and everyone's going to be able to pray. But I want to close with James 5, verse 6. Therefore, confess your sins. And I love, I love this. I looked up that word sins, right? I just love looking up what these words mean. And, and I feel like a lot of times we, when we think of sins, we think of like these like terrible, how many of you guys have ever classified sin before? You're like, there's sin, but then there's really big sin, right? No, no, sin is sin, man. Like you dishonor God. You go like sin is sin. And this word sin, sins, when you look it up, it actually means missing the mark. Like when you miss the mark, our failures. It says confess these moments where you miss the mark. Maybe there's some of you, there's some deep wounds that you're just like, man, I've been avoiding, but I, I just want to just, I don't need to go into crazy. I just want to share with you. Just agree with me that God's going to begin to mend this and heal this. Right? I think we sometimes put a time clock on this. Well, man, I'm, this is going to take years. Man, when you deal with the wound, what could have taken years could actually take days. Do you not know the God that you serve or do you just sing about him? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Those are beautiful words. Do you believe them? One of my friends, Sean Smith, says Christians don't tell lies. We sing them every week. We sing things we don't believe. Will you actually believe the song you sung earlier? That he is a way maker. That he is going to mend relationships. That he is going to restore brokenness. That he is going to heal and mend addictions. Will you stop throwing up a thousand walls with God? It says, confess your sins to each one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Every single person that receives Christ, you are righteous not by what you do, but by what Jesus did. That means rather you feel like your prayers are powerful and effective does not matter. How many of you ever feel like, man, my prayers just suck? Like that person can really pray. We classify really praying by how loud they are on a mic. So you look at my wife, you're like, she can pray. And she can, but why she could pray has nothing to do with how loud she is. It's the time she's buried herself in the closet at home. And all the kids are looking for her. Go find mommy, you know? I can't handle you right now. Go find her. I think she's in the room. I'm opening the door, you know? Go, go, go. And close it. I'm terrible. And now I let in the dog too. Go, go with mom. What if this morning you took your place? as a righteous person who knew their prayers are powerful and effective and you stood in the gap with someone next to you and you believed for them and they believed for you. What if? What if? Or we can keep limping around claiming a gospel that has set us free but everything about us says different. You ever been to the gym before? And I'm just going to say this. You see the guy that looks like he doesn't work out trying to give advice to all the ones that are working out? You ever see that guy before? He comes in like with like a, a Big Mac. What's up, guys? Y'all doing good? Yeah. It's a good workout. You got to work on that form. 
you're like, dude, why don't you just like hit the bench? You know, like you ever meet, you ever meet people like that? They love to give advice on something that you know they have zero authority in. I don't want that to be this room. That we walk around with all of these wounds singing the healing of God because there's something's gonna there is something that's gonna transform on these Monday mornings when the whole room starts to get healed, not just selective people. When the whole room begins to embrace that, man, we are so weak, but you are so strong. And God, you so delight in my weakness. And my weakness and brokenness does not disqualify me. There are, there are real things you really want to touch and heal. There are real things that you really want to do in my life right now. But it is impossible for me to get to this next place. I feel like why some of you have a hard time with even contemplating marriage is not because the right one is not there. It's because there are still fears in your hearts of what could happen or what could not happen. Could I tell you something? Marriage is a leap of absolute faith. You ever, you ever bungee jumped or skydived or like you, how many of you can't like think about it? I'm not telling you you just go marry the first thing that moves, but there comes a point like when you know and that you know, you just got to like... But you just like, you don't know what's going to happen. You hope your chute opens. And if it doesn't, you know, like it, that's just the reality. Like when we got married five years ago, we didn't know what we'd go through. We didn't know. We didn't know. So you know how many times that I've, 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 I've had wounds in my marriage and, I, and I've sat there and I just said, honey, I'm sorry you married me. I'm sorry. And she'd be like, No. Don't you say sorry. She said, I knew what I chose. And can I say this morning, God is saying the same thing to you. When you say, God, I'm so sorry. Like, why'd you save me, man? Look, like he's like, I knew what I was getting myself into the moment you accepted me. I love that about the disciples because, man, Jesus doesn't, like the scripture doesn't go too in detail about their, their mess, but I guarantee, I mean, there was so much mess, he probably couldn't put it in there. You just look at some of their lives and you're like, man, I can tell the dysfunction. I can tell. Disciples are arguing over who is the greatest. Peter's bringing a sword and he's cutting off. And that's pretty intense. You ever think about that? Like you follow the man of peace and love. And in the moment you're to example it the most, you cut an ear off. And I can imagine him looking at Jesus like, he's like, and he heals. I mean, like, these guys were jacked. They really were. Three years of them and Jesus, just plowing away, plowing away, plowing away. And at the end of their lives, they all went under their death. You can imagine with smiles on their faces. And they had finished well. If you want to finish well and hear well done, man, you got to get healed. And I'm not saying, man, it's a 30,000 step program. And I'm just believing that this morning could be the initial start of God really beginning to mend your hearts. And maybe some of you might take the route of getting some counseling and talking to some people who are more skilled. And I'm not a counselor, you know. I, maybe some of you, it's as simple as just letting go this morning. And just forgiving. You don't want to bring baggage into the next season God has for you. I mean, no, the worst thing you can do is bring the baggage of your last relationship into the new one. You ever, you ever been with someone like that? Or how about the people that have, you have such a hard time letting go, you remind the person. Like, the devil doesn't even have to be the reminder of their past because you are. You take his job. You're the accuser of the brethren, not him. Like, I don't want to be so wounded that I accuse the brethren. I want to be so healed that I actually remind the brethren who's fallen of their place that the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. So I want to do this right now. I want us to stand. Come on, stand. Everybody. How many of y'all feel okay? How many of y'all feel okay? Nobody, okay, cool. Awesome, man, this is great. Here's what I want to do, is I want you to find some people around you. And this is awesome because you may not even know the person. Maybe it's harder for you when you know them. Some of you are like, I never going to see you again. Let me tell you everything, you know? Like, but I want to do something right now.
is my, my wife and I, I don't know if, if uh, where Vinny is, if there's, uh, we have a team that's ready to pray for some people. But if you've been maybe asked to pray, for, I want you just to come up here. And what I want to do is if you want to come up and get prayer, I want to invite you to come up. But I also want to open it up that people around you are equally qualified to pray for you as well. How many of you have Jesus in your heart? You love him. You love the Bible. Come on. How many have Jesus in your heart? I'm looking at some of you. I'm like, I thought you were saved. <laughs> Dang. If you want to receive Jesus right now, just raise your hand. I want to welcome you um, just to find, if you want to come up, you can come up, but I want to welcome you to find someone next to you right now. Like, don't just stand there and like, it's just me and Jesus. He's just going to come. That's great. But the Bible doesn't say there in the scripture in, in James, like, go confess just to Jesus. Like, I want you to go find someone in the room and just say, man, this is a real wound that's been happening in my life. Man, I, I just have such a hard time trusting. Man, you know what? There's been a wound of, of addiction, man. There's been a wound of just like, I just, I just cannot seem to embrace God's love on my life. Man, there's a wound in the area of relationships, whatever it may be. Would you just find someone around or come up here? Do not leave this moment. I think everyone kind of falls into this category in some way or another. But I want, to, I want to believe that this morning there's going to be freedom, even for marriages in the room. You're going to have a, you're going to, you will not have the marriage of your parents unless it was good. You will not have the fate of your fathers. You will not have the fate of your mothers. Some of you who fear divorce because you've gone through it with your own families, you will not taste divorce. I am looking at my children right now who are growing up in the presence of God. I never had that. I never, my, I never ran up to my dad and jumped in his arms and he was sitting there with his hands raised to God and my other daughter comes up and I'm just holding both my girls. I never had that, but I'm rewriting the legacy of the Barcelonas because I didn't cause the wounds, but I do have a choice to be healed. So this morning, we're going to take the next few minutes. Could you just find someone around you to pray for every single person? Or you can come up here and get prayed for from someone up here. Come on, just the next few moments. Just go ahead, wherever you're at. You can walk around the room. Go find someone or come up. Either way, but don't leave this moment, okay? Don't leave this moment. You can come up here. You can find someone next to you.